You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm just so thankful you could join me for this episode today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means to me is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, power, and purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. In this episode today, we're going to be tackling the topic of anxiety. And this is a subject I have lots of personal experience with. I have wrestled with anxiety just about my entire life. Anxiety is something that showed up in my childhood. It was basically marked by lots of worried thoughts, kind of maybe even some of these OCD tendencies. I don't know if any of you ever did this, but where you're like tapping one side and then you got to tap the other, like just the same way. And I didn't know what I was dealing with at that time. I was too young and I was constantly not able to watch the news because I thought whatever was on the news was going to happen to me. And back then, I think the conventional wisdom a lot of our parents followed was, eh, just don't worry about it. And telling a kid not to worry about it, who's going to worry about it, is going to then start worrying that something is wrong with them. And so over time, I didn't develop the most healthy coping strategies. And so as we got into my teen years, my ruminating thoughts got me to the point where I was worrying myself physically sick and would have these panic attack type episodes. And then as I got into college, I just felt like I couldn't deal with it anymore and thought, oh, well, isn't this what this medication stuff is all about? So I started going to a counselor and I really wasn't that aggressive about the counseling side of it. I just kind of wanted to get my prescription. So I ended up on some anti-anxiety meds through college. And for a while, it seemed to kind of be all right. My personal experience with medication, though, led me to a point where in my early adulthood, I just wanted to live life. I wanted to be free of the tether of the medication. I wanted to be free of the worry and the anxiety because I'd gotten to a point where I didn't want to live anymore for fear that enjoying life would mean that perhaps it could be taken away from me. And I wasn't to the point where I didn't want to have life or wanted to end my life, but I did get to the point where I just wanted to kind of stay inside and hide so nothing could get me. And so God led me down this path in those years as I was really also on this faith formation part of my journey where during a 40-day Lenten fast, I said, okay, God, I'm not fasting chocolate or soda or sugar or any of those things. I'm going to fast worrying and make a discipline out of giving you my worried thoughts. And in those 40 days, God taught me how to start to recognize my anxious thoughts and then turn them over to Him. And so now I'm at a point in my journey, it is something that I still work on it's mostly now related to relational type things as I've identified relational problems before my marriage, during my marriage, after my marriage, and how anxiety has tied into those things. And just started to have the ability to identify it, see it for what it is, and then figure out healthier ways to move past it. 
And so my guest today is Dr. John Deloney, and he is going to teach us some of those very same things. John has a fantastic way of looking at anxiety that helps us to understand that it can actually be something that can serve us. And he teaches us about healthier ways that we can then respond to what our anxiety is telling us. John also helps us to understand the role of counseling and diagnosis and medication when it comes to dealing with anxiety. And I love his perspective because it sort of mirrors my own in the sense that I think that counseling and medication can be really good tools, but ultimately it comes down to our walk with God and making that intentional choice to say, Lord, I want you into this space. That counseling can help us get more tools for that toolbox, but ultimately the thing that changes us is the Holy Spirit. As we start in on this episode today, I want to take a second to let you know about a quiz that I've created over at agapemoms.com called What's Your Loneliness Type? And I think it's super relevant to this topic because anxiety about relationships can cause us to either press in or pull back in ways that actually keep us experiencing chronic loneliness. But there is something that we can do about that. So if you will go on to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz and take that quiz, it'll take you just a few minutes and help you to identify some of the patterns that you might be falling into that are contributing to your experience with loneliness and then some of the ways out. Again, that quiz is at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. I'd like to tell you about our guest today, Dr. John Deloney. He's a mental health expert with two PhDs in counselor education and supervision and higher education administration from Texas Tech University. Prior to joining Ramsey Solutions in 2020, John worked as a senior leader, professor, and researcher at multiple universities, and he also spent two decades in crisis response walking with people through severe trauma. Now, as a Ramsey personality, he teaches on relationships and emotional wellness. If you are a person who has struggled with anxiety at all, I think you're going to find this conversation with John to be so incredibly eye-opening and inspiring. Here is my conversation with Dr. John Deloney. John, I'm excited to be here on your home turf in the Ramsey Studios today. And I'm excited about this conversation because I have wrestled with anxiety most of my life. Mm -hmm. It's been something that I've sought therapy, medication, all kinds of different things. And I found that your book was so helpful in reframing the way that we look at anxiety Mm -hmm. and getting a better grasp of it so that we have new tools to tackle it. Well, thank you. And I so, think it was like seven people who read it, so I, I love appreciate it. you. Oh, it's so great. Well, we're going to add some more to that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really comforted by the fact that you talk about that anxiety is not the problem, actually. Yeah. And there's a way that we can reframe this to understand how it can actually be something that serves us. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to know if you would just launch in and, and kind of explain that perspective. So I think the best way to explain it is to back up a little bit and just talk about we're, we're in this weird moment of history where we have pathologized, which is the nerd word for saying um, we've made a disease out of discomfort, Mm -hmm. out of anything uncomfortable. And the seasons, right? It's too hot, then let's make an air conditioner. It's too hot, cold, let's get a heater. And that turns into why walk on the ground? We can walk on shoes. And why walk on 
shoes, we can walk on super padded shoes. And mm. why sit down on a wooden chair and we can sit down on a padded chair. And suddenly it's not that we've got these comforts, it's that those things are bad and wrong, mm. right? So you fast forward to, man, how wonderful is it for this one month a year when we get apples and they fall from the tree mm -hmm. to we deserve apples every single day, yeah. right? Of our of our lives. Our bodies aren't designed to handle it. The, uh, our ecology can't handle it, but we're all gonna get apples every day, right? So mm -hmm. that's the world we live in when then anxiety shows up, when then depression shows up. And so we look at these, at our bodies sending us signals, hey, things are not okay. And we make the signal the problem, mm -hmm. not the actual things that aren't okay. Yeah. And anxiety is just one, the way I describe it is it's, it's like your house is on fire and you're in your kitchen with your therapist and your friend and a pastor and your dog, and you're all up on a ladder trying to figure out how to take the batteries out of the smoke detector mm. as though that's the issue. If we can just shut this off, mm. then everything's going to be okay. While and your, your house, house is, is burning, burning down. down around you, right? <laughs> and so when I first got here to working at Ramsey Solutions, somebody called in and then another person called in, and it was just a I, – I hadn't – understood that this was that big of a deal mm -hmm. going on everywhere. I mm -hmm. had experienced it in my life and my students had experienced it. I didn't understand that people didn't realize, guys, anxiety is not the issue, mm. right? What's the issue is the way we're living our lives or who's hurt us or where we are we not safe? Where are we walking where there's not firm footing, right? Yeah. That's all our body's just trying to say is y'all aren't okay. Yeah. And I know with listeners as well and our kids, there's just so many things that we've gone through. And that alarm system is like going off constantly. And right. so it is one of those things that we're taught. Like, well, if the alarm system's going off, like just go shut it off. Shut the alarm <laughs> off, right? Just shut like, the alarm off. Like if you're feeling anxious, that's what's wrong. And it's like, no, there's <laughs> yeah. other stuff that's underneath all mm -hmm. of that. So I think though, sometimes when we think about anxiety and how it shows up, sometimes that's confusing too. So we think a lot of times it's just worried thoughts. It's these running thoughts of what if this, what if that, blah, blah, blah. And over time, I started to recognize I actually got pretty decent control of the thoughts, mm -hmm. but there were other ways that anxiety was showing up for me that I didn't know that that was anxiety. I didn't know that overperforming was anxiety. Yeah. I didn't know that this like just kind of edgy that, feeling. That a, yeah, just your shoulders go <laughs> I mean, you up. Feel and that, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you can feel it off of somebody, right? Yeah. But it's like, I didn't realize that even that was anxiety. So can you help yeah. us to kind of tune into that alert system, that alarm system by understanding what are some of these other ways that anxiety can show up for us? I think the challenge with it is, again, backing up a little bit, we created a food pyramid and said, every person should eat this way mm -hmm. and then we're all going to be all right. And now we've realized, you know, 30 years later that we're as sick and obese and, and, and frustrated and sad and, and as we've ever been, right? So to then, to translate that to, I, to anxiety and say, if you're feeling these five things, this is what this is. Mm. The problem with it is that it manifests itself differently in everybody, right? right? In me, it often started with my body. My mm. heart would start racing. My stomach would drop. I had this particular thing where my stomach would feel warm and I, it was my body saying, hey, we're about to be in it. Mm. And then my brain starts scanning the area going, okay, what are we in for? It must be you, right? Hmm. And so I was a body looking for reasons. Mm -hmm. Other times I've got reasons. I'll read a headline and it will say, you know, economic collapse or this or that. And then I'll think, oh, this is really bad. And then I'll start spinning my body up and being ready, right? Mm -hmm. Some of us have childhood traumas, stuff that happened to us when we were six or right. we were five. And at that moment, our brain marked it with a chemical and said, that's never happening again. Hmm. And so if he hurt us, all he's will hurt us. We will not get close to he's. Mm -hmm. And I will make sure we don't get close to he's. And that whatever twisted 
maniacal way my body can protect me because it's just trying to keep me alive to the next day and the next yeah. day. We will smoke to make right now feel a little less stressful, knowing that it's going to kill us tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's our body's job is to get us to tomorrow, to tomorrow, to tomorrow. And so anxiety looks different in everybody. And in me, it looks different in different situations. Yeah, It's just recognizing, all right, my thoughts are off to the races here. I can, yeah. I can rein Pull those back. Down. My body's heading off to the races. Am I really not safe? Am I really untethered? Mm -hmm. And often if I start asking myself, what are these alarms trying to tell me? What is my body trying to protect me from right now? Um, sometimes when I'm reaching for <laughs> donuts while I got a Twinkie in one hand, I need to stop and go, what is my body trying to protect me from, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just, I haven't slept. Yeah. Sometimes I haven't exercised in four days. Sometimes me and my wife haven't talked in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And it's it's something very simple. It's not this big existential thing. Yeah. And as far as that alert system, I think the other thing too is as many of the listeners mm -hmm. and myself included, we've been through, we have been through significant traumas. Yep. We do have stuff that maybe came from childhood, mm -hmm. maybe came later, maybe all of the above. All of the above. And yeah. so that alarm system feels like it's triggered a lot mm -hmm. and it can be by really benign things. Right. And I think that is the most difficult thing of walking through a season like this is trying to get my mind and my heart and everything online together to say like, are we really in danger? Is right. this really something to worry about? So do you have any perspective on that as far as how we get this alarm system to start functioning correctly? Because it's one thing if your house is actually on fire, right. but if your alarm's going off and there's, your house is not on fire, how yes. do we know the difference? So there is a season when, when you ignore it long enough. It just starts going off, right? Yeah. And we've all been in those buildings where the the fire alarms just go off. It's something weirder. There's smoke out of a microwave. Yeah. And it goes off. Or there's like, like a spider on. that's crawling yep. in there. <laughs> and it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. So here's an example from my life. I didn't know what anxiety was. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I needed to get the next job and I needed to get the next promotion. And I really got myself value out of showing up over and over and over. So I was 24-7, 365. I was always in hospitals with my students and then in planning meetings the next morning and, and, and. Yeah. If anyone was like, hey, we need a speaker or a, a someone to take this department, I was like, I'm in, I'm in, right? I really got validated this way. I was so like that. And then yeah. after a series of miscarriages, my wife got pregnant. We had a little kid and she was a rock star researcher, professor. And then we have this kid and it's just on, 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 on. Meanwhile, over here, I'm not sleeping anymore. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, over here, I am convinced that my house has foundation cracks in it. It was a new house. It didn't. <laughs> I could see them. And then I started calling a contractor over. And he looked at me like, dude, your house is fine. And when he would leave, I'd say, man, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. I know mm. he's like 30 years experience and I can't fix anything. And I'd call another one. I'd call another one, right? And so I didn't understand that this pathology, this was just a symptom of my body going, we're not safe what are you doing? We're not slowing down, right? Mm. And I remember being so <laughs> waking up. So I got called in when students had had psychiatric breaks or when their parents showed up and they weren't well. They called Deloney, right? They called me. I remember being in my backyard about two in the morning and I was on my hands and knees. It was in the raining because I was convinced that water was getting into the foundation cracks. And there was no foundation cracks. And mm. I remember sitting there in the dirt. I just started laughing. And I remember thinking, if someone's videoing this, I'm I'm over. But I was thinking, <laughs> this is when they would call me to come talk to me because mm, I've lost it. Yeah. And here's what I had to do in that moment. I had to recognize that I'm not a good, I am no longer a good filter for what's safe in my world. Mm. And I had to call a buddy. And he came down and said, you're not good. I got in my car and drove to a, three hours away in another city to meet with a doctor. I was super paranoid. And I was 
And he said, you're not okay. I had to say, I am no longer good enough to, to solve this on my own. I never was in the first place. Awesome. And had to double down to, on community. Yeah. And so if somebody asked me, what's the cure for anxiety? There's only one cure, and it's other people. Mm-hmm. People who will hold your hands up in the desert when things are heavy, who will say, I know you, this isn't you, who will know three days before I'm slipping off the edge of something, they'll say, we need to go get coffee. Mm. And there's only three or four or five people I've given access to that I'm going to listen to. Everyone's got an opinion in my life. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't text that. Shut up. If Todd calls and says, hey, man, how's it going? Mm -hmm. I know I'm not doing okay, right? If Jeff calls and says, hey, you're not doing well. If Kevin calls and says, hey, I've, I've given them permission to speak into my life. Yeah, and that is a delicate dance to try to figure out who those people are, I think. And it's trial and error. Yeah. Right? And you have to kind of try it. Yep. A lot of boundaries. <laughs> and sometimes that's the thing that shows you that's not a safe person. <laughs> that's right. But in that you will find those people. But mm-hmm. I love that because I think that we normalize weird or yeah. we normalize dysfunction mm-hmm. and we need other people who love us and and that we can trust to say, hey, that actually that is gonna wear you out or mm-hmm. you're already worn out or have you thought about it this way? And just giving us different perspective that we literally can't access in our own minds. Well, all of all of the quote unquote cures, taking medicine, just having a, a hot bath and some tea, doing yoga, those are all things that you need to add to your already drowning life, right? Mm, yeah. To solve something. Right. And I like to look at um, I know the the temptation is to always look at, you know, the the gospels and look at what are the rules. What are the things we should and should not be doing? I really find it much more interesting to step back and say, what are the big T truths? What's the first thing Jesus did when he landed? He didn't make a rule and say, thou shalt get a group of guys to walk around with you. The first thing he did was got a gang and said, we're riding or dying together, right? And we're going to have some hard stuff, but we're going to do this together. I need y'all to be out in the garden while I'm over here. I need y'all to make sure that we're okay. That is, I like to look at how did he live? Yeah. Right? And not over, this sounds wild, not over-spiritualize some of the things he said, but to step back and say, how did he live? And if I don't have a group of people that are Mm -hmm. walking alongside me, that are keeping me safe while I'm in in dark seasons, while I'm on my face asking God, is this the way this is supposed to be? Yeah. If I don't have those guys, I'm not doing it right. You know what I mean? Because there's just seasons when I'm not going to hear myself well. Yeah. Wow. That's really, and I think you're right. We do often look in the pages for what is the instruction? And there's so much in there Mm -hmm. as far as the way he actually did it. That's fabulous. So as far as the role of understanding, though, those helpers, so maybe that's a counselor Mm -hmm. and therapy and and things like that. And I do believe that therapy is very helpful in these situations. Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I always say it's great to talk to people who talk to people. It's one of those things that if you don't know what you don't know, you need to know somebody who knows. <laughs> but in that, um, there comes these things like diagnosis, mm-hmm. there comes medication and things like that. And so when you talk about things being over pathologized, mm-hmm. sometimes we can say a diagnosis then becomes kind of an excuse or we can mm-hmm. rely on the medication, but the medication doesn't necessarily fix everything. Right. So how can we look at those things as tools in the toolbox, mm-hmm. um, but put them in their right place? In almost every situation, there's some there's some situations like you know children with fetal alcohol and things like that 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 are significantly biological in nature. On the whole, what medicine does is it turns the alarms down. It allows you to then go hear somebody and have a conversation. I got to a point I took medication too. I got mm-hmm, to a point where yeah. my alarms were broken. Yeah. They were ringing all the time, twenty four seven. 
And I thought everyone around me was was bananas, right? Mm-hmm. What meds helped me to do was turn it down. Mm-hmm. And that's because I wasn't in a place where um, I was exercising too much. I was reading too much. I was mm. practicing too much, right? Now, if I'm really honest with myself, around the time I started taking meds, I also really doubled down on sleep. Mm. I really got a gang of people. And so I think it all worked together. Yeah. But what meds do is they allow you then an environment to then go get well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. They don't solve the problem. Yeah. They just turn the alarms down. If they did solve the problem, when meds were introduced with Prozac was one of the first ones, mm-hmm. depression anxiety would be over. And it's not. In fact, yeah. it's on a vertical trend that's almost straight up. So mm-hmm. if meds could just end it like um, antibiotics and strep, right? Right. Then they're just over. 12 days and it's done. Right. It's just not how that works. Yeah. But they do have a role in turning the alarms down. The thing I don't like about diagnostics is, as you mentioned, we often live into those labels, right? So there's a great study, and it was done with elementary school kids. And I'm going to get the I'm going to get the the fringes of this wrong, but they took some teachers and said, "Hey, we've identified you guys as the best teacher in this these teachers in this school. We're going to give you this group of kids that we think are special, and we're going to call it an honors class, and we want y'all to take them to heights they couldn't believe." And the teachers were like, "Awesome." And they brought in another group of people and teachers and said, we've identified y'all as the best teachers in the school. And we've got this group of students that we think could be more, but they're really struggling. They're, they're below level. And we've given them to y'all because we want you guys to really work hard. They had to stop the study because there was a K-curve response, meaning these kids, they told the teachers, hey, these are honors kids, make them great. And they far exceeded <laughs> But these kids that they said, hey, are have some learning challenges, they underperformed. And here's the, the kicker. They were the same group of kids. Oh, they, they just divided wow. them up by all the same metrics. And it was about the labels that people came in with these kids. Mm-hmm. So whenever I hear a parent say, my kids got fill in the blank, I always stop them and say, no, there is no bell curve for a kid. Your kid is special and unique in whatever way they are. And that may mean that they like to run around. And that may mean that they're loud and think things are funny and, and are attracted. To- your kid is your kid, mm-hmm. man. And so when it came to me, I was adamant about not wanting a diagnosis that I could hang my hat on that was always going to become me. Anxiety is a season. Mm-hmm. It's a moment. It's an alarm system. Mm-hmm. It is not an identity. It's not a way of being. Mm. And I do over time hear folks that say, I can't do X, Y, and Z because I have fill in the blank. Right. And what I always want to tell people is to walk back from that. Mm-hmm. You're more than that. You're bigger than that. There are seasons when I'm going to choose. Um, let me say it this way. William Glasser is a famous psychiatrist who just went to war with the psychiatric community. And he wouldn't let his clients say the words, I'm depressed. Mm-hmm. They were allowed to say, I'm depressing. I'm anxietying. I am um, back aching. I'm head aching. Those are natural good responses to trouble, right? Somebody, your your husband just comes and leaves you. Mm-hmm. Depress, being depressed, that's a natural, normal, good, holy, right response. Mm-hmm. And that's when your community shows up with casseroles and yeah. hugs you till you get done crying and yeah. holds your hand till you fall asleep. Yeah. And your parents show up and give you their nonsensical advice about what you should be doing. <laughs> all that stuff, that's yeah. all what should be happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretending to not be in a season of depression is is, mm. is a lie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you're not a depressed person who's diseased and broken for the rest of your life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we need to identify it, but not Own be it. identified yeah. by it. Oh, Ooh, I love that's that. That's good. I like that. Put that on t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. So um, as far as though, so you mentioned there with medication, you know, that it can be something that just kind of turns things down. That was my experience Mm -hmm. as well. It was like, it just gives your mind a little bit more space Mm -hmm. to start modifying then your behaviors and modifying who's the environment. It just turns everything down so you can start to make those incremental changes. But in the book, you also talk a lot about ecosystem Mm -hmm. and what we're doing, what we're ingesting, what's in our environment as being something that's really critical in addressing anxiety and making those changes. And that's actually one of the things I love about your Instagram account is Mm -hmm. like, I'll be scrolling and it's like, go outside and play with your kids on your account. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Like I need to like put this down and go. Go play with my kids. Thanks, Dr. John. Um, so, And usually that comes because I'm scrolling and I'm like, what are you, go play with your kids. So and good. then I'll type it in. And get, right. <laughs> so as far though as those things in our ecosystem, mm-hmm. being single moms, you know, what are some things that we should look at that we do need to address? You've talked about some things like sleep and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but what are those things in that ecosystem for ourselves, for our kids that we should keep our eyes on and make changes to when it comes to starting to turn down the heat mm. so that we can live more fully. So I don't think this is controversial. Um, I found in some circles and some stages it is. And so I'm just going to be really vulnerable. You can edit okay. this out. If All right. <laughs> um, I think that on the whole, women have been conditioned to silence the voices inside of them. They've been conditioned that your job is in service to other people. Mm. And you come last. Mm -hmm. You are only as good as the roles you are playing for other people, for your partner, for your kids, for your pets, for your schools, for your whatever. Yeah. Right? And then with whatever is left, you're going to have a hobby. Right? Yeah. And so when – Whenever, especially when I'm talking to women, men have it too. They've been told they have to achieve and perform. They're told they have to do it for themselves. Um, So it's different. But – everybody's collectively had their voice shut off Mm. in the name of institutions, in the name of quote unquote, doing it right in the name of a political, whatever that is. And so the first thing I want folks to do is to find a space to like start hearing themselves again. Usually that takes us back to when we were six and we have to let that six year old who was defending us against mom and dad, who was trying to make sure dad didn't get too angry. Who was trying to make sure that guy didn't do that again. Who'd make sure mom approved of the clothes I was wearing. You got to go back there and let that little six year old go. Mm-hmm. Right? And we don't do that. Mm-hmm. And then we have to slowly begin to listen and say, I never liked that in the first place, whatever that is. I didn't have a, like, no one ever asked me what my dream, I want to be a teacher. And my dad said, well, that's stupid. They don't make any money. You should be a, and I learned in that conversation that the way I feel and my, the way I thought doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it's, I should probably ask him because he knows more about me than I do, yeah, right? Yeah. And it just goes and goes. And so the first thing is you got to start getting in this space where you can hear yourself. Mm-hmm. For me, that took counseling. That took a close group of friends that I said, I'm not in a good place to make decisions, so I'm going to trust you guys. 
Um, that took a, like a, I've, I've got a great relationship with my wife. It wasn't always great. Mm-hmm. And we had to, I had to double down and heal relationships, which meant I had to learn how to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And I also had to take care of sleep and nutrition. I had to just get over the fact that I couldn't just eat whatever I wanted. And I had to start exercising and I couldn't let exercise become its own pathology and addiction. Right. And yeah. calorie counting and fancy, weird <laughs> internet diets yeah. became a, a God for me for a season. Right. Yeah. So. How can I just learn to drop my shoulders and just be a person? And that really started with me growing up from the inside out. Mm. Some of that is is as simple and as hard as having an emergency fund. Like I work for Dave Ramsey. Yeah. What we don't talk about a lot is I couldn't be myself because I owed somebody money, mm. which meant I had to keep this job and I had to live how they said I had to live. And I had to, right? Yeah. When you have an emergency fund, you can do what you want. Yeah. And then you can be whole. And then you can tell the person that you're dating, the person you're married to, you can tell your kids, here's who we are because mm. I'm not tied. to. Does that make sense? Yeah, so it's so all good. about being whole and growing up from the inside yeah. out. But it usually starts with letting that six or seven-year-old off the hook. Ugh, I love that. And I don't think that's controversial at all. I think, you know, especially I think that's what's so devastating for single moms mm-hmm. is you have wrapped yourself into this role of I'm a wife. Or um, you know, I'm a mother. It's, partner, it's my identity. Like yeah. it's what you it's what you do. It's what your function on the planet yeah. is. And then when one of those people leaves, and or you know something, whatever, however we got here, mm-hmm. that piece of your identity is gone now, mm-hmm. and you realize there's this hole that you put identity into something that was a role. And so it's understanding that you do have purpose that's tied to these relationships, but Mm -hmm. the relationships are not your purpose. They're not your identity. Mm -hmm. And so as we heal, I think it's important, as you said, to uncover what are those things that God put in you, even from the outset, stuff you like, you know, hobbies and interests and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things to just wake that back up and to live from that place of you are unique and have something to contribute that God put only in you, mm-hmm. only for this time. And that sinking into our purpose so often can take those anxieties about what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. And it's just not only that, it, not only is it a creative outlet very often to just be mindless and mm-hmm. just enjoy doing something yeah. and enjoy life and yeah. enjoy being alive, but it can also be the thing that's like, I'm not, I don't even have time to think about this. I got to go do this other thing, right. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and this it should make all single moms listening to this feel better. It won't because it, we should all be co- collectively sad. But oh. when I ask bajillionaires, when I ask executives, doctors, lawyers, athletes, like behind closed doors, like, what do you want? Mm. They cannot answer that question to a person. Hmm. None of us can. Yeah. Because we've been told that what our wants are, are secondary to buy stuff, be in the roles, mm-hmm. achieve stuff. Mm-hmm. And we just never asked ourselves what we want. So single moms aren't alone. We're all buying into these lies. Yeah. And so just starting back with that, what do I actually like? I can't yeah. tell you how many single moms I've talked to behind yeah. closed doors. What do yeah. you like? And their first response is, I don't, I don't know. know. That was me. I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so then go to the local Y and sign up for a cooking class that you don't have time for and you don't yeah. have money for. Not cooking to make sure nobody starves, but just because it's fun. Yeah. And you may find out, I hate this. Awesome. <laughs> go down the hall yeah. to the engineering club, right? Yeah. And to the robotics club and to the what. But get back in touch with what do I even like? Yeah. Right. You only get one precious, reckless, crazy life. I want to see people slide in to, to home with no tread left on the mm, tires. That's good. Not with a 
a perfectly clean minivan. Right. Don't do that, right? Right, right. And that starts with getting in touch with who you are. Uh, I think that's good, too, because I think if we think about middle school, high school, what is the thing What is the thing we always loved the most? It was the electives or it was the clubs yeah. or it was those things that we did that we got to explore a little bit of ourselves. And then you meet those people who are like you and you just find— There's groups your, of weirdos everywhere. Yes. yes you find the, and you find those people, though, who are going to be the, the ones who will walk through mm-hmm. things with you. And it's just—it all ties together, but it, it really is getting back to that base of, like— who am I? What do I, what am I here for? What did you put in me and why? You know? So here's a great exercise. And this is hard. I still remember the high school girlfriend who said, man, you'd be so good looking if your skin wasn't so rough. To this day, mm. I still struggle with that. I remember the girlfriend who said, you would be the, the hottest guy in X, Y, or Z if your teeth weren't so bad. To this day, I remember that. Mm. I remember fill in the blank. Yeah. All of us have these stories. Yeah. And it's I think it's important to at some point write down those stories and then start mining them for data. Is this true? Mm-hmm. Am I really too unattractive to for someone to sexually desire me? Was I really such a fill in the blank that he had to leave? Yeah. Was that really right? Did I really such a bad girlfriend in middle school that I've been chasing this other is there really somebody that's going to wake up in a bed somewhere with perfect hair and no bloating and no, right? Yeah. Does that person really exist? Yeah. They don't, right? Yeah. And once you start challenging those stories, like, is this true? Some of them in my past were true. Mm-hmm. Like, I was rude and I was, I did have some things I had to work on. Mm-hmm. Most of them were not. And mm-hmm. I was carrying this stuff around all the time. Yeah. And so really getting to what do you like? Who are you? Starts with pulling the thread on those stories. Mm-hmm. Where do they come from? And are they even true? Yeah. Well, and in that, there's a familiarity, though. When we start telling ourselves these lies and believing these lies from childhood or from these early experiences, we start—there's a familiarity in that. And that anxiety ties into that, too, where we may even start to be attracted to relationships that confirm that. Well, and there's other people that are drawn to those relationships, Mm. right? And so you get this— Two dance partners yes. that should not be dancing. And sometimes it feels like chemistry, right? Like oh, it, feels it feels like, so oh my good. gosh, we have all this crazy, like, you know. You fit perfectly. Charisma. Because yeah. I'm not well and, <laughs> and you prey on people <laughs> yeah. who aren't well. Look yeah, how right. we just, we're like, just right. plugged right in, right? Right. But we don't recognize, and I didn't recognize this, what felt like excitement mm-hmm. actually is anxiety. Mm-hmm. It is that thing that I'm activated. And so it's relearning, oh, that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But when you don't know what you don't know, yeah. it's hard to understand the difference between what's just excitement or yeah. connection and then what truly is activated anxiety. So I would even I would even frame it this way. You can get addicted to the anxiety chemicals that flow through your body. Yeah. And so we all know people, maybe ourselves, that when things are good, we will start to create chaos mm-hmm. because our bodies crave the chaotic chemicals, yeah. right? It, it craves that adrenaline, that cortisol that keeps us going. Yep. Similarly, when you first meet somebody, you're high, right? Mm-hmm. It feels so good. You're stoned, right? Yeah, yeah. On yeah. brain chemicals that say, there they are finally, and yes. I'm here, and it's on now. Yeah. And it's getting past that first phase into phase two where you're like, okay, we're just two people and <laughs> we're going to have some decisions to <laughs> yeah. make, right? You got a weird nose here too. Yeah, and we're yeah. just, we're going to move on from there. Yeah, right? But yeah, yeah. it's in, instead of looking at things, I always think, all right, I'm high now. Mm-hmm. Like right before this, some, we had a, a business meeting and there's an exciting thing. And I thought, I'm going to, and I had to think, you're just high, dude. 
You're just high. It's all good. It's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to like, that's the reality of it. Yeah. And they're both, neither one is good or bad. They just are. Yes. And I don't have to judge them or or get sad and frustrated about them. They just, they just are. And it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I like, so I like that you're saying though, that I'm, I'm here now and it's going to come down. And that's okay. And and like, but that we wouldn't dread that. And I think that's the thing when you are addicted to those anxiety chemicals, Mm -hmm. you feel like that coming down is like world's over. Or you feel like you're broken. Yeah. Clearly this relationship's a disaster. Yes. No, it's, it's, it's nobody ever says when fall comes that summer's broken. Mm. It's just what happens. Yeah. And no one, like when winter comes, we're not like, well, the, the weather's broken. No, it's, it's winter. Yes. You hang on and then summer and spring's coming. Right. Yeah. And so we just know we're in these seasons, these rhythms. Things are so great. Things are super not great. Things are bad. They're going to come back around if we keep doing the right things. Right? Yeah. Wow. That's really good. I love that. It doesn't mean that summer is broken. <laughs> no, just winter comes. Yeah. It happens. Wow. That's good. John, you have given so many great insights, just great perspective on how we can look at these things, how we can consider them, how we can make changes. I feel really empowered well, myself. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> um, at the end of every conversation, I ask the guests the same question, and it's if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, somebody who's listening, mm. what would it be? Can I get, say like five things in say it in one thing? <laughs> yes. Lots of semicolons. Um, number one. You're perfect exactly the way you are, and we all have room to grow, and you're worth being loved, and you're not the dumbest thing that you did. You're not what he said you were, Mm. and there is laughter and healing and joy on the other end of this thing. Mm. Amen. Period. (laughs) (laughs) Period. Amen. It's a long sentence with a lot of semicolons. That's That's so good. Thank you so much. John, tell listeners how they can follow you. Find your resources, all, all the that internet good stuff. stuff. Yes, yeah. um, you can follow me at John Deloney. You can go to johndeloney.com for all for the book and all that stuff. And then you can, on podcasts, you can listen to the Dr. John Deloney show, which is just a caller-driven show. Yeah, it's like Dave's show, except for relationships and mental mm-hmm. health and all kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's wherever you can get podcasts. Awesome. And I will have links to all that in the show notes so that listeners can find you very easily. But thank you so, so much. Thanks for having me on. I loved it. The thing I love the most about John's perspective on anxiety is that there's nothing wrong with us. We may need to get those alarm systems in tuned and we may need to pay better attention to what it's telling us, but ultimately anxiety is something that's just an indicator and how we respond is really where that power lies. I hope that you found something from this episode encouraging for you. And also, again, just to mention that if counseling is something that you feel would help you to get more tools for your toolbox, that you consider that prayerfully and consider the connection with a Christian counselor who can help you combine what we know about our thought patterns and the psychology of anxiety, but then also the spiritual empowering that we have to heal through the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you would like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, 
you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved. Thank you.